Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of the PPW Podcast. It's not even wrestling-related at all, but I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit. I'm your host, Steve Fountas. With me on the line is special guest, Ring Skirts, Nate. Nate, what's up? Yo, how's it going, Steve? <laughs> Very enthusiastic. Yo. Yo. <laughs> so, <laughs> this week, because I wanted to do it, and because it's my show, I could do what I want. Maybe this will be a pilot episode of a future spinoff called Steve and Nate Talk Movies. <laughs> We're talking about... Ghostbusters Afterlife, and we both loved it, and there's a lot. To, I wanted to just talk with someone about it. I saw it twice. Uh, when did you see Did you see it opening weekend, opening night? When did you first see it? I saw it uh, Black Friday. Okay. I saw it that Thursday night, and we'll talk about kind of our experiences with the theater and all that, and we'll get into a little bit of history of our Ghostbusters fandom, all that stuff, and Nate can share his newest purchase or acquirement. His name is Vigo, and he you're like flies to him, and he's now in Nate's house. Uh, really quick, you can follow Nate on Twitter at Ringskirts, and he's also on Instagram with Ringskirts, and he's posting figure photography, lots of wrestling junk, all that stuff. So go ahead and follow him. You can follow us on Twitter at PPW Podcast. Normal podcast feed and show comes out. It's retro wrestling, nostalgic talk, all that stuff. Subscribe, and we'll be there for you every time there's a show for free. And, of course, you can follow us on Instagram as well, PPW underscore podcast. All right. So I saw it Thursday night with my buddy, and we wanted to specifically go to an AMC theater because they were giving out the Ghostbusters popcorn Ecto-1 holder. popcorn yeah. container. Did you get well, Did you go to AMC or no. what was your deal? No, I didn't go to okay. AMC, but I knew all about the container. Um, I decided I have enough versions of the Ecto one that I didn't need that one, but it's pretty I cool. I don't know. I don't know. All right. So <laughs> what's funny is my buddy went uh, on a Wednesday midnight showing, and their AMC he went to refused to sell them to him until Thursday, oh, and he's really? like, "It is Thursday. It's midnight." They're like, "Well, yeah. we can't." Blah blah blah. When I went, I went. On, we went on a Thursday. It was interesting. Was our theater was crowded, but the showing of our Ghostbusters was not. It could have been. Because I accidentally saw it in the closed captioning theater, which was a little distracting, but also kind of nice to pick up a lot of lines you might have missed. This was um, like, but I did get this is complete news to me. I've never heard of a closed captioning theater. Yeah, so normally I found out uh, with closed captioning options for people, they'll give you a pair of like glasses, and the glasses oh. will show at the bottom on your screen the words for hearing impaired people. Huh. But this was a straight up closed caption option for people to go see. It wasn't that big of a deal. I do watch some shows with closed captioning, but whatever. But I, I got the Ecto one. It lights up. Mm-hmm. It, they did not fill it with popcorn for you. They gave it to you in a box. Like it's a cool like collector's box. That's probably not a brown best. box. Yes, not a. I, I mean, I popped it out, but uh, and they give you a large bucket of popcorn. It wasn't cheap. It was like thirty bucks. <laughs> for okay. the popcorn thing but i mean a, a bucket of large popcorn is like 11 bucks so yeah, it's, it was least. still a ripoff at the, at the price <laughs> it's still a ripoff <laughs> did you see it with someone did you see it alone how did you go see it well it was kind of it was a little dramatic um i'd been planning a time when we could see it as you know wife and i have a, a one-year-old and mm-hmm. we don't we don't have any family nearby where we live so we have to kind of arrange a, a time when we have some childcare. So we were at the in-laws for Thanksgiving. So they watched the boy, and we mm-hmm. had to convince our other friends who we were meeting up with 
that that's what we should do on our one night off. And mm-hmm. that's what we did. So we went with two good least, friends of ours. Was it at least like a, a theater that had like a bar or two? Um, it was a theater that had a bar. The bar didn't okay. have a bartender, so we got kind of hosed there. Aww. But they had the nice reclining seats, and we were able to enjoy yeah. the movie quite a bit. All right. Uh, I mentioned I saw it twice. The second time I saw it was at IMAX, and it wasn't really shot in IMAX. There weren't really many IMAX scenes, but the sound was significantly more immersive and impactful. It made it for a much better viewing experience. So if you do get the chance to see it in an IMAX theater, I do recommend it just for the sound alone. It, it's pretty awesome. Whoever mixed it did, did fantastic. Okay. So when I was watching it the first time, and I was kind of like liking it. But at the same time, it was like the weird, nervous feeling of, I hope this is good. Yes. The whole time. So did you have that when you were watching this? So I had that, but I also had this feeling of like, I was just hanging on the edge of my seat waiting for, to see the original guys. <laughs> All right. So time out really quick, really quick. For those who are, for some reason, don't know this, 100% spoilerific episode starting now. So everything we'll be talking about going forward. If you haven't seen the movie, turn it off and come back to us when we're on. So that's your warning. And now, from now on, all spoilers are in play. So yes. So go ahead. You were waiting for the original Ghostbusters to show up. Yeah, I was just wondering like when they were going to be tied in, when they were going to come. Um, I knew that they come to save the day at the end. And that's really about all I knew. Mm-hmm. And they had the the call from jail to Ray of Ray's occult. And then it just kind of like yes. disappeared. Like we didn't hear anything for a while. And I'm like, oh, was it a teaser? Is this not going to happen? So well, the whole time. I knew they were going to be in it because they were promoting it. Yeah. Yeah. They were promoting it. They were on like Jimmy Fallon and Tonight Show and all that stuff. So you knew they were going to be in it. Although they were in the last Ghostbusters too. Right. They were in the, not Ghostbusters 2, but they were in Ghostbusters Answer the Call as well. Right. Um, so they all had kind of cameos in that. And then also, did you stay for, I, I, we're skipping ahead, we don't want to talk about it, but did you stay for both post-credit scenes? Ooh. You missed the second post-credit scene? I may have. Oh, uh, it was at the very, very end after all the credits rolled. Oh, no. Well, what was it? Do you want me to tell you what it was, or do you want to wait and see it yourself? Okay, so I remember seeing uh, Peter and Dana with the yes. center cards. That was the first one? Mm-hmm. Yep. What was the second one? Do you want me to tell yeah, you? Tell me. Or you want to... Okay. So, post second post-credit scene after everything ends, it is um, Winston uh-huh. and... Uh, what the hell is it? Janine? Jeannie? Janine. Yes, Janine. I don't know why I got that confused. Pulling into the firehouse with the Ecto-1 and Ernie, Ernie Hudson or um, Winston says, we're going to clean it all up. And then Janine keeps saying to him that uh, are you still supporting Ray's bookstore? Are you still paying, paying his rent? And he goes, yeah, Ray's going to turn a profit one of these days. And Winston kind of gives this speech that, about, which is pretty emotional. He talks about, you know, of all the great things I've done, he's talking about his, in, in, in the movie, he's very successful in finance or finance as Dan Aykroyd calls it in his Chicago accent. Uh, he's like, no, everything I've done, I'll always, always be a ghostbuster. And I was like, man, that kind of got me because, I mean, Ernie Hudson's been in movies. Sure. He was in you know, Airheads. He was in Congo. He's just, he's had this long career Oz. of film. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. But for him to say, I'll always be a Ghostbuster, I was like, man, that's awesome. So if you want to go see it again, make sure you stay. And everyone who, I I guess if you you haven't seen it already, go back and watch it. Because that was like, we could just talk, we'll just talk about the end now, which is the most emotional part of the movie. Oh my God, yes. All right. So the end of the movie, they're fighting off Gozer and all the ghosts. And Phoebe is trying to hold back the ghost. And all of a sudden, the Egon ghost kind of guides her. And it was Harold Ramis, the ghost of, you know, the CGI of Harold Ramis. And like, gives her strength. Yes. I had a little bit of like welling up. Uh, absolutely. When I saw that. I was with you. But just that... talking about it, Steve, I'm getting goosebumps. Yeah. It was like, well, and the, the CGI was so good of yeah. Harold. And I mean, it looked and like. That's the thing. It looks like Harold what... Ramis is so beloved too. And that I, I wasn't just like getting welled up for Egon, I was getting welled up for Harold Ramis too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, if you if you'd seen him at the end of his life, he had some sort of autoimmune disease and it was really kind of bloated mm-hmm. up. But mm-hmm. he didn't look like that. They projected what they thought Egon would look like grayed up and it was perfect. And then when the three Ghostbusters lined up with him that's when legit like tears were rolling down my eyes as this was coming up mm-hmm. and I'm almost getting like emotionally good about it now because like, you know, when the, the actors are there, it's a green screen or whatever, but guys like, you know, Bill Murray yeah. did all the did stripes with, with Ramus and, and Dan Aykroyd wrote it with the original Ghostbusters with him. And like how Ramus has done all these great movies and films and they're, they're shooting it on a green screen, but you got to think the first time they saw that, I know they too were like, man, that like, that was amazing. Like his daughter, like his daughter's alive. Yeah. And like when she saw that, it must've been, it must've wrecked her, you know, <laughs> in a good way, but I yeah. couldn't imagine. And then like, and then the part when, you know, the, the, the theme of the movie is throughout is, um, Phoebe is Egon Spangler's granddaughter. And her mom is pissed, as everyone else is, that Egon abandoned the family. And as we find out, he abandoned them in order to save the world from the apocalypse, basically. And we'll talk about that as we go. Um, But the part where he walked up to her, like his daughter, Mm -hmm. and like gave her a hug and stuff, it's like, imagine, you know, if you had a bad relationship or even any relationship with like a parent and you've lost them and you've got a chance, just one more chance to see them or whatever for them to tell you it's okay. They, they got that across and like, despite how the first part of the movie might've went, like they just nailed it. Mm-hmm. The whole, the whole ending just like nailed it. Like kicked you right in the gut in a good way. Yeah. There were so many feels in the movie. So many. Yes. Yes, for sure. Okay. So we went a little backwards, but let's start at the beginning. So Ghostbusters Afterlife obviously has had a, a couple year like delay because of the pandemic and of other things. I don't know about you, but the first remember I remember I saw the first kind of teaser trailer. It was the Ecto One Joyriding in the Cornfield, which ended up, you know, uh being Egon Spangler's grandson, who is uh Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things. It seemed to me in the trailers he was going to be the main character kid of the movie, but he wasn't at all. Right. I, I had the same same idea. And uh not to say he was bad by any means or something like that, but you know, he was Trevor in the movie, and he was also, this was done on purpose, with all the toys, the figures and stuff, there wasn't any really Phoebe action figures. Right. 
And it made sense. Why? Because you don't want to spoil the ending of her and Egon kind of being related and all that stuff. And have you seen There uh, Is Now? Yes, the two-pack. Yeah, yeah, sure. Have you seen Have you seen it anywhere? Has it shown up by you? I I looked one place Monday. I didn't see it. Yeah. My one buddy texted me, who I saw the movie with on Thursday night. He's like, I paid too much for it. He goes, but I don't want to risk dealing with this later. He's like, I just bit the bullet and bought it, which is the kind of the risk you take and not a bad move considering it's Christmas. I don't know if you've noticed this, but before the movie, all the plasma series were all over the shelves. Uh-huh. I've been out the past few days. They're all gone. It's no plasma series left. So I, people are picking that stuff up. I had found everybody except podcast. And this was months ago. I just, mm-hmm. I just found podcast this past uh, Sunday on my way home. Mm-hmm. So I, I saw a good amount of them on the shelf when I was out. Yeah. So the basic plot of the movie is pretty simple. Egon Spangler's daughter is in wherever, and she's getting evicted from her apartment. She gets word that her father's passed away because the opening scene shows him basically getting fried by trying to stop Gozer at his farm in Oklahoma. And... They get left his house, so they go there because she's been evicted. It's kind of an any town, middle of nowhere, USA. Kids are pissed. They've got to go there. Her daughter, Phoebe, is kind of the eccentric, scientific kid. Her her son, Trevor, is kind of the trying to be super cool, popular kid, but he's not. He's kind of nerdy and awkward like we all are at 15. And they head to this town, to this creepy house, and and this is how the movie kind of works backwards, and they slowly peel everything back and you find it uh find everything out as the movie goes were you trying to guess where it was going to go the whole way or were you just kind of trying to enjoy it no i was sitting back just letting it unfold um i was really kind of examining the screen for like easter eggs and little nods yeah the older movies which there were dozens of them which was wonderful the opening the start of it the the, the soundtrack yeah just the sure. start of it, it's just like amazing yeah the uh the theremin sounds Yes. Yeah, I was okay. The one thing I was really kind of surprised about, I, I avoided quite a few spoilers. I think I didn't watch too much beforehand, but I was really surprised how much Egon ended up being involved in the movie and the story. Pleasantly surprised. Yeah. At the end of the day, this movie was a gigantic tribute to Harold Ramis, and even at the end, it says for Harold, and I think everyone's okay with that. Uh, And it, it. and in, even in the post post credit scenes, it seems like the door is open for them to make another movie, perhaps back in New York City. Oh yeah, or something like that. If I mean, if Winston reopened the firehouse, I think that's that's the idea. He's the money guy, and I think he's going to keep it going. He's in finance, as as Dan Aykroyd says, <laughs> in finance, finance, <laughs> finance. And then the movie just kind of gets going with a little weird things happening here and there at the house. Um, there is. Uh, the town shakes all the time because it's people think it's earthquakes, but it's not on a fault line as the Paul Rudd character, uh, Mr. Gruberson, Greg Gruberson (laughs) is the teacher in town who hilariously for the summer school teacher just shows (laughs) ridiculously awful horror (laughs) movies, right? They show like Cujo and child's play. (laughs) Child's play. Yes. And it was just so funny because he was Paul running it up. And then Phoebe comes back after Phoebe, the the girl, who, by the way, this girl, what's her name, McKenna, McKenna Grace, I think her name is? Yeah, McKenna Grace. I thought 
she stole the movie with how good she was in it. I was just fantastic. You know, going in there with that, that awful geek thing a lot of us have, I wanted to not like the kids and they all won me over. Mm-hmm. They all instantly won me over. Yeah. I, I think her and podcast were a lot of fun, which could have been podcast by the way is the, is her friend she meets in summer school, which seems like it's volunteer summer school for her, but not so much for the other kids or some of the other kids and the story, which is a little bit nitpicking, the story is the mom's like, well, you can either help clean up the house with me or do this summer school. You need to be somewhere during the day. And Trevor goes and gets a job at like a burger stand, but she does that. So that was kind of, it seemed kind of weird nitpicky to me that the kid would want to go like this delinquent summer school, <laughs> but I'm, I'll let it pass. Then they, her friend podcast meets and he has a mobile podcast and it's kind of a running joke throughout and he calls himself podcast. But Phoebe eventually meets up with the teacher, Paul Rudd. We're going to call him Paul Rudd, not Greg. Paul Rudd's more funner. It was funnier to say because he's just playing Paul Rudd throughout the movie. We'll talk about his his Paul Rudd walk when he goes to the Walmart later. Um, and he talks about how kind of unique this town is, that this town, not on a fault line, not near any earthquakes or anything like that, all of a sudden is getting tremble, tremors and, and nothing makes sense and Phoebe and Paul Rudd kind of bond over this. What do you think of the the Greg, the Paul Rudd character? Oh, I thought it was fun. I thought it was neat to kind of, I don't know, have someone play off of Phoebe and kind of. It seemed like he would, he wanted to nurture her, and he mm-hmm. he's the one person in the movie that kind of showed how cool of a person she was. You know. Yeah, and she did eventually find. We'll talk Easter eggs in a second, but. Uh, the ghost trap and brings it into class and and Paul Rudd was like is that a sweet replica and then he realizes wait that's real (laughs) and then they fire it up by hooking it up to a school bus and that that, that's just amazing irresponsible adult stuff it was great (laughs) he says something like like when they when he releases it and it causes all kinds of havoc he's like Mm -hmm. all of a sudden it hits him that he's liable for all of this and it was a fun <laughs> moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. he, he stops I mean, being well, a child in that moment. <laughs> the, and what's funny is there's like an A story and a B story to this movie. There's Phoebe's tale and Trevor's. And Trevor's, honestly, him trying to have a crush on a girl named Lucky who's the works at the burger stop and her dad's a cop in town that doesn't really need to be there, honestly, in the movie. It's just kind of there off to the side. But at the same point, you can almost say that the Lewis and Janine story didn't really need to be there in the first Ghostbusters. It was just kind of there, like for comic relief. I don't know. That was like, I guess, if we're going to nitpick, like I didn't need a Trevor wanting to have a crush on a girl storyline. It was just kind of there. Sure. Uh, but it, it was important for them because they would go to into the, was it the mountain or where they were? What was what were they they were pulling they were pulling off? Uh, it was a selenium or something mine. from the mountain. Yes, selenium mine. I knew you would know that. Yeah. So the kids, of course, and anyone that's grown up in a town that had any type of area, kids weren't supposed to go, whether it be a well or a creek or a quarry. That's where kids go. Did you ever have anything like that growing up? Like kids weren't supposed to go here, so we so we went there. Oh yeah, yeah, down by the dam. What was it? 
just, just to just to throw stuff in there, or what would you do? Just hang out because you weren't supposed to be there. Yeah, uh, yeah, you'd hang out. You'd park your car. You'd do whatever you do when you park your car. Be necking, <laughs> necking with the ladies. <laughs> the other day, uh, we were at my nephew's ninth birthday party, and uh, the kids are all downstairs, and they're ages from like six to like twelve. And like the 12 year olds, of course, are trying to be cool, like too cool for the party. Then six year olds are playing with the toys and nine year olds, whatever. And Penny came, my daughter Penny came upstairs and said, like, the older kids are doing something. Like, are they, and I go, are they necking? And she goes, what does necking mean? I'm like, go down there and tell them to stop necking. And then she did it. And they're like, they didn't know what that meant. <laughs> so, well, well, that's because they're myself. not 97. <laughs> Listen, man, you necking down there? Did, did you use the term necking as a kid? Uh, kind of, because my uncle used to say it at parties at his house when the kids <laughs> would be in the basement. Like, you kids better not be necking down there. And that was like a thing that, that we, <laughs> hey, listen, don't, don't tease me. My, I made an entire genre of podcast about remembering random shit <laughs> that you haven't thought about in 30 years, so... That's what I do, man. That's what I do. I just, I'll surprise myself sometimes talking about stuff with Eric every week. I'm like, oh yeah, I did this or we did this. And we we love you for it, Steve. Hey man, my my favorite is when like I'll like I can tell I got Eric to think of something he hasn't thought about in a year and like forever because he'll start getting really excited about it. No, your it makes me laugh. Your favorite is getting Eric to tell a story about turning into the Incredible Hulk and beating somebody up. Oh my God, nothing is. Well, it's because Eric is such a laid back guy now. Like, I, it's just so funny how like relaxed he is, he, and that's why, like, I joked the other week when nothing gets Eric happier than seeing me get mad or frustrated. It like tickles him. He's like a little kid when I get mad. He's a calm guy, but he's like Ralphie Parker. That little flame grows. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, back to the Ghostbusters Afterlife. Uh, the only real point of the Trevor and Lucky side story is them to go into the mountain and discover kind of the well of all the ghosts where Gozer, where Gozer is and how this thing that Egon built was, he kind of rigged up what, a bunch of proton packs and everything to keep the spirits at bay, right? Like that was kind of the point of what he was doing. Yeah. At periodic times and to, I guess, keep Evo Shandor from coming back to life. The, I'd say one of the things that. I, I guess this is the only main thing that bugged me about the movie is the conversation. So Phoebe, get, we'll get to why, but Phoebe gets arrested and Trevor and they, for kind of basically taking the Ecto-1 around town trying to blast the ghost, the middle eater, and which escaped from the trap. When she uses her phone call to call Ray, Phoebe does, saying I'm Egon Spangler's granddaughter. Ray says Egon Spangler can go to hell, which... Ray was the one most into the paranormal stuff. Yeah. Why would he be so quick in kayfabe or whatever you want to call it to dismiss Egon's rantings about what was going on in the apocalypse end of the world? Why would, he be, why would Ray in this universe be so quick to dismiss it? Did he get complacent? Like what, what's going on? Um, I'm not sure. I, I think the anger comes from what Egon did, how he basically took everything and left. It sounds like he left them all yeah. high and dry, took all their equipment and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, why Ray didn't believe him, I'm not exactly sure either. Uh, mm-hmm. I was at a loss as well. I do think, I mean, it didn't ruin anything for me, but I did love how the little note Ray said is he goes, Venkman thought that 
we did our jobs too well. And I could just see like in my head, like that side story of like, Fangman be like, let's just take a break for a couple weeks, build up some business and go back out there again. <laughs> see, I could see Venkman being like what they got accused of in the original movie, releasing ghosts to try to capture them again and getting more money. He's a slimy dude. Exactly. <laughs> he is. He is for sure. Uh, what about some Easter eggs you noticed throughout the film? Oh, man, so many. Um, a couple that come to mind. The Bug Eye Ghost. Okay. Does that ring a bell? Yeah, that was from the cartoon. It was, that was definitely a toy. It was a toy. He he wasn't in the cartoon, but it was a toy. And it was cool to... It wasn't. It was cool to see it on screen. Yeah, a lot of the, mm-hmm. a lot of the toy ghosts weren't even in the cartoon. Okay. I recently rewatched some of the cartoons and it's pretty intense. <laughs> it's like, these yeah, are pretty scary for children. It holds up. It's, it's not a, necessarily a kid's cartoon. Yeah. yeah. Um, here's one of the things that like, it wasn't really an Easter egg, but it's something that like really touched me when, uh, okay. when they're chasing Muncher in the, in the barn, you know what I mean? Yeah. Okay. So podcast has the trap. And he throws the trap out. And as soon as he mm-hmm. throws the trap out, it kind of falls over to its side. And I yeah. saw that and I started to well up because I said, whoever wrote that in the movie was a kid that played with a toy trap. Because in the original movies, you throw the trap, it goes straight perfect every time. You play mm-hmm. with that trap as a kid, it's falling over every single time. A hundred percent true. And yeah. do you still have the an original trap? I do. Um, it had been customized and painted though, so it's not in great shape. Does it open still? Oh, it still opens. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Year a few years back, I was at. Uh, I think it's just for fun toys in Columbus, and they had one in a case, and I kind of negotiated. I had bought like bought a bunch of stuff, so I kind of negotiated a, a round price, and I said I needed. I said, could I see that? He goes, yeah. And I go, can I see the pump? He goes, yeah. I'm like, I need to step on it. He goes, well, why? I'm like, if it doesn't open, I don't want it. He goes, all right, just just don't break it when you step on it. So I stepped on it, it opens, and it, it's perfect. So it's on my Did little Ghostbuster it? shelf. Did you have it as a kid? A hundred percent. And we all had the proton packs. Me and my friends did too. Go ahead. I'm sorry. I remember being really quite hard to stomp on that piece of rubber and get it to work sometimes. You're probably right. Um as so an adult, I remember, it's easy, but as a kid, it was tough. I'll have my kids try tomorrow. I'll report back. But I, uh, I remember when me and my friends would play Ghostbusters. I, I was the one that had the trap. Someone else had like just the, someone else had the PKE meter, and we all had proton packs. We all immediately took that foam Nerf thing and threw it away. Like Good. immediately, no one, no one used that. Yep. Uh, but. The area we all played in front of our friend's house had this gigantic, uh, like like pine tree almost, but it wasn't like your typical pine tree. It was I forget I don't know what type type of tree it was. Think of like a uh, what the hell kind of tree? What's the the bon- think of a bonsai tree, but like po- but like pine style, so like a karate kid tree but massive. Okay. So it had almost like a cloud effect. So that was our area where we shot the ghost okay. and you know rolled the trap down. After a while, we realized rolling the trap on the grass isn't going to work. So we created like a story in our head where someone had to, one friend would go with them, like shooting the ghost in the tree. Well, he put the trip, like walked the trap down 
And we're like, okay, now hit it, hit it, hit it. We'd shout back to our other friend to hit it to trap the ghost. And hours of fun were had with those toys and those things too. So now, have you seen that? The, was always fun. Have you seen the uh, Mattel replica trap from, I don't know, about five, eight years ago? Mm, was it a real Ghostbuster style or was it a movie style? It's a movie style. I did not. I did get the one that came out a couple years ago when they had the when they released the the main line of figures. I okay. got that one. Okay, so uh, Mattel had the license, and they released a Neutrino wand, um, a PK mm-hmm. meter, and a pretty high end trap. And the great thing about the trap is it works. Like it opens up. It's got lights and sounds in it. Yeah. It closes up, and the best part is the cartridge comes out. Oh, that's pretty, that's a unique little addition. I didn't know that. Yeah. Because the one that was released a couple years ago from, I think, Kenner? Did Kenner do those? Um, No, Kenner did the original. Who did the re-releases recently? Um, Who has that license? Hasbro has the license now. Okay, yeah, so Hasbro, yeah. So the one Hasbro made, it does light up. I just wish the cord was a little longer, but it does work and does light up. Right, I, I think the one you're talking about, it has a, it's a different pedal too. It's not quite yeah, the, yeah. the accurate pedal. Another Easter egg that when I saw the second time, my friend pointed out to me, and one of the points when you can see it online too, when they're doing all the ghost traps, apparently the studio bought like a bunch of them from Spirit Halloween. So those are like Spirit uh, Halloween traps they used, okay. which is pretty cool. Cool, cool. So and it makes sense. Like, why are you gonna? You probably need like a hundred of these things. Like, why are you gonna buy? Why are you gonna make them all? So that that was cool. So did you notice uh, when Phoebe's down in Egon's like subterranean lair, mm-hmm. uh, one of the things I noticed off to the side is they had hanging this like, please clean the room maid card. Mm-hmm. And that's from the original Cedric Hotel where they got Slimer. Well, that's cool. It's the only thing I noticed down there. Briefly in the movie. Was his, you got to see his collection of fungus. He talked about. Okay, see, briefly. I missed that. Yeah, because he yes. collects so, spores, molds, he, and fungus. Yes, you got to see his collection of fungus, which I thought was pretty cool as well. Nice. Uh, back to the Paul Rudd character, the Greg character. The part when he comes strolling through the Walmart doing like his Paul Rudd walk to get his ice cream, <laughs> and then this is where he first sees all the miniature goat, the miniature marshmallow men, miniature Stay Puffs. I, th- I thought it was funny. Someone said the most unrealistic part of this movie was how clean that Walmart was. <laughs> I said, well, <laughs> it was a Canadian Walmart. I don't know if you notice that, all the red signs instead of blue, like the price signs were all red. Oh, I did not know. So it was sh- yes, it was shot in Canada. It was also um, late at night. So it's one of those 24-hour Walmarts that used to exist. And if you go late at night, they've cleaned up mm-hmm. a lot of times. Well, somebody kind of countered that saying in like little towns with like nothing, that's kind of like where you go. You like hang out at the Walmart at night when there's nothing that's to do. True. Yeah. So they're, they're, we're, we're just nitpicking here, but in fun ways. Um, I think the State Puff little guys, the little mini guys were funny, but I think they trailers made it seem like they'd be a bigger part of the movie and I'm glad they weren't. They were just kind of there for fun. Yeah, yeah, I thought that I thought they were a nice touch. They weren't overused, but I thought they were really funny. I was laughing out loud throughout that scene. I I was laughing out loud how like sadistic they were, like killing each other, <laughs> exactly. laying each other on fire, and and they're killing each other 
But as they're being killed, they're smiling the whole way. They love it. Yeah. Yes, yeah. because they are, they're marshmallows. They're meant to be blended up and, and toasted and all that stuff. But I mean, how uh, awesome. I mean, it was, I loved seeing a terror dog in a Walmart. I'm going to think about that whenever I'm in a Walmart forever. <laughs> a terror dog at the Walmart. Speaking of the terror dog, uh, what's up, Lauren? Lauren's down here with Phil. Phil's my new Dalmatian. Hi, Phil and Lauren. Named, yes. His name is Phil. I call him Phil Connors from Groundhog Day. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say and, Phil Collins. No. Well, originally it was Phil from Hangover. Like, how's my hair? Is it cool like Phil's? And it's become Phil. Phil Connors. <laughs> and now my daughter say it too, so it's pretty funny. Anyway, uh, with the with the terror dogs, I loved when podcast um, – at the end of the movie, he wasn't one of the terror dogs, but he was covered in all the marshmallow. marshmallow yeah. And Bray gave him the same speech he gave to Rick Moranis, the Lewis character at the end, which is a little on the nose and I'm sure is fan service. But to me, give me all of the fan service yeah. all the time. What is wrong with fan service? That, that's what I came for. Yeah. And like they tried somewhat original movie last time and everybody shed on it. And I, I liked Answer the Call. I thought it was a fun movie. And they thought they had cool ghosts and it was an interesting story. And I thought uh, Kate McKinnon was amazing. And I thought um, it was funny. I I laughed. He was good. Throughout it the first time I saw it. Um, Exactly. The only problem I had that I keep having is just like, what is it? You know, how does it fit in? It's just, you know. It doesn't. It's it's not it's not in the Ghostbusters canon at all. Whereas this clearly is. It's clearly in that like the only way universe. I, the only way I can make it fit in is it's like it was like a fever dream of one of the guys. It was just a dream that like Ray had one night or something. Yeah, but it wasn't though because Ray was in it. He was a cab driver. Yeah, you can and be your own Winston dream, was in though, it, right? I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And Winston was in it as one of the Ghostbusters uncles who let her borrow the hearse. So right. good yeah. stuff. Good. Have you, by the way, when you went to New York, did you see the firehouse? Yep. Yeah, I drove good by call. it on the way to on the way to access. Hundred percent good call because it's legit the Ghostbusters firehouse. It's the same thing. It's yep. awesome. Now the first when I went, the we first, took the, the first time I saw the firehouse uh, it was my first trip to New York, my wife and I, and it was one of the things on our itinerary we were going to do. So mm-hmm. we we got the address. We got off the subway. We're walking. And we walked up next to the side of it, and I kind of looked at the building at the side, and I'm like, holy ass, I think this is it. <laughs> and then we turned the corner, and it was just like, it was a religious experience. Mm-hmm. And it's still a working firehouse, so for anyone who wants to, like, expecting a tour, it's it's a firehouse. Like, people work there and live there, so you can't just walk in. But they do embrace it. There is a logo out front and all that stuff, too, so it's good for them. Yeah. Uh, what about the story? Did you, did you like about the story about the kind of Gozer being back and, and Egon, it would make sense. Egon would figure all this out because he was the smartest one, but did you, I didn't really see any holes in the ghost mythology part of it. It kind of all made sense to me. Yeah. And it all like tied in with stuff from the first movie. I mean, the selenium mine. That's what Dana mm-hmm. Barrett's building was made out of. They said it's made out of cores of selenium. Who builds buildings like that? They never do that. Yeah. You know? Um, 
one gag throughout the movie that it got me as every time I heard it, I, I laughed a little harder. I don't know why, but I thought it was so funny that everybody in the town just referred to Egon as dirt farmer. Like that phrase yes. dirt farmer just tickled me. Cause that's what he was doing. He was literally tending his dirt, making his electrons and setting, a, he was essentially setting one giant trap mm-hmm. trap for it all. And, and it worked. Um, I kind of wish the original Ghostbusters were in a little bit more. And do you think it, it, it didn't seem like Ray, Peter and Winston had a falling out. It was just Egon, right? So you, you figured Ray would have their, their number like, yo, Egon's granddaughter called me. We got to get to Oklahoma. Like it seemed a little far fetched, but I was okay with it. Um, I'm not following it. Run that by me one more time. All right, so I wish the original Ghostbusters were in it more because at the end of the movie, they just show up, which is fine, but give me like a two-minute montage of Ray Kahn, Peter, and Winston convincing them to leave New York to go to Oklahoma. Yeah, I did wonder that. I did wonder, like, how did they get there and how did they get there in that period of time? Well, I mean, it's not like in The Dark Knight Rises when Batman comes out of the, the pit and all of a sudden he's back in Gotham City. It's a little. It's a little bit easier just to get on a plane to Oklahoma with a proton pack. Just... <laughs> well, Winston's pretty rich. He's in finance. I'm sure he's, he's got, got a private jet. Play. Okay, he's got Check a private me. jet. Yes, exactly. He's in finance. Uh, I love the kind of the callback with the Paul Red character and Egon's daughter, kind of basically becoming what Lewis or what um, the key master was. Yes. Where they became I, dogs and basically got it on. <laughs> in the dress, the dress that she had on kind of thrown back to Dana Barrett's dress. It was like so cheesy, but it was funny. It was such a funny moment to say like, this isn't an eighties thing. This is just what happens yeah. when Gozer comes to earth. He or she makes you wear this awful dress. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the rule uh, the I think the scenes with again this was back to the trailer it made it seem like Trevor Finn Wolfhard from Stranger Things was going to be the main character of the movie kind of driving the Ecto-1 around but he wasn't but I did like the what was it called what did he call it not the suicide door but the whatever door that Phoebe was riding on shooting the ghost out which was, which was pretty fun uh, the Ecto-1 being the original just kind of beat up which is pretty cool it wasn't a new vehicle or anything like that. It still worked. The ghost of Egon helped Trevor get it working again. And the whole thing was fun. It was just one big fun sequence getting that thing back out in the road. So I like that little touch at the beginning too as they go up to the farmhouse. What do you see out in the lawn? A bunch of old broken down Cadillacs, which clearly mm-hmm. were 59 Cadillacs, which were Egon was probably using as spare parts to keep the ecto going well the ecto was an ambulance right yeah but it's it was a, an ambulance it's a 59 cadillac ambulance yeah specifically exactly yes he's got all the parts it's just all that stuff is on the nose but at the same time it's not you know like my wife for example wouldn't notice a lot of that stuff was your wife a big ghost versus fan where she's just saying okay i'll go because my husband's a weirdo and likes this stuff um she's she's 
appreciates Ghostbusters because of me, but she really did want to see it. She wanted okay. to see the new movie. Oh, sorry. That was that was Mickey Mouse. My Apple Watch telling me what time it was. <laughs> um, um, oh, what would it, what go ahead. Go ahead. What do you got? Yeah, I was trying to think. What was I going to say? Oh, I loved the fact, like when the three guys came back at the end. I loved their interactions with Gozer. Kind of how like Gozer remembered them, and they remembered Gozer, and they were kind of trash talking each other a little bit that was really fun to me yeah it made sense too right like you you knew they would they'd be back there and what do you say like what did like what did peter say he said something about uh this chick is this chick is still toast or, or something like that right yeah it was something fun i loved what like raised <sighs> line calling back to the original ghostbusters where he said as a duly designated representative of the county, yep. city, and state of New York, but he had to do it for <laughs> this podunk town in Oklahoma with different names for each thing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there was some cool little clever things, too, when the kids got arrested for joyriding through town and their equipment was seized in the jail and kind of the holding cell. It was behind metal, so they couldn't get it again. So podcast, smart, somehow new. I'm going to release the ghost that's in the trap who eats metal mm-hmm. to open up the gate for us to get our stuff out, to get our proton pack. So that was that was kind of cool and kind of fun. I was glad we didn't see Slimer because he's gone, you know, so we kind of kind of this new version of him chomping up eating metal. Why is he uh, gone? Or Slimer ate. Well, didn't he get trapped? He did, but in he the came back to Ghostbusters too. Yeah. He drove the, uh, he did. I guess, the city bus. I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I think well, in the story, guess, he got released when uh, Walter Peck destroyed the containment unit. Man who has no dick. <laughs> All right. That's right. That's, tr- that's true. Man. man has no dick. <laughs> so, so yeah, we it all, it all comes down to this big kind of epic battle and with, with Gozer and the ghosts and using Egon's trap that he created all these years ago to to get the ghost in there. And then of course, Egon comes back as the ghost, which we already talked about. And there's this big emotional moment at the end. And, and there we go. It was, it was just so much fun. You know, it was a fun watching it. It was a fun final ghost battle too. I mean, there was, there was some back and forth. There were two or three times when I was like, Oh, they're not going to make it. They're not going to do it. And then the original guys came and they helped. I'm like, okay, now it's done. But then it wasn't. Mm -hmm. But then it was. So they took me on a ride, and that's exactly what I want to do when I'm going to see a movie. Would you give this five stars out of five? <laughs> well, I mean, I would, but I'm biased. It, it was perfect <laughs> for me. It was a perfect sequel to Ghostbusters after, what, 30 years or however long it's been. Mm-hmm. It was a perfect sequel for Yeah, it really was. And I also, I'm sure this had to happen at the point when they were in, they were kind of in the area in the mountain showing all the different years on the wall of when kind of the apocalypse shows up or when terrible things happen. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, this year and then 1945 
And I'm sure it originally said 2020, which they probably should have kept, but they said 2021 is when it was released. And I was, this was out to be out last year. Gotcha. Are you glad they waited so we could, we could see it in the theater or were you, would you have preferred, let's just watch it at home. I'm would glad. you have been better watching at home? I'm glad okay. they waited. I think it built up the anticipation too, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, we waited this long. Yeah. Why not a little longer? It also kind of maintained its momentum from box office, which has not been the trend in the past, you know, year since movies have been back open. Mm-hmm. The trend has been great opening weekend, then huge drop off. Ghostbusters had a great opening weekend and still a very good second weekend too. So buzz is building. People are happy to see it. And I hope, I hope everyone goes to see it again. I know you have the kid, but if, you know, if you want to go by yourself one night to the movies, it's worth it to watch it again and to emotionally prepare yourself for the climax. Absolutely compare or prepared to. Yeah. It's, I kind of want to see it again to be honest. But I've still got Spider-Man No Way Home coming up, and I've got The Matrix, and we've got Sing 2, and and all this stuff. More movies. December's going to be a, probably a pretty big box office for everyone to see these like, films. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to seeing it without the anticipation, you know? Just being able yeah, to sit back and why. relax and say, I don't mm-hmm. have to worry about what is or what isn't going to happen. I know. Now I can just let it unfold. Yes, yeah, so if you've made it this far, you've probably already seen the movie. If not, I'm sorry we spoiled everything for you. But go back and see it again and enjoy it for, for what it is. Uh, Eric just saw it yesterday. He texted me, said it was amazing. He loved it. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure I'll talk to him about it. Um, before we talk about Ghostbusters stuff in general, any other thoughts on Ghostbusters Afterlife? I mean, it was everything that I wanted and a lot of things that I didn't know that I wanted. Which is perfect. I mean, I loved the movie. What What didn't you know you wanted? I didn't know that I wanted um, these funny kids. You know, I, okay. didn't, I didn't know that I was going to enjoy that that much. I didn't know that I wanted a continuation of the Gozer story. Um, mm-hmm. That's true. There, there were a lot of things that I just that I wasn't necessarily expecting that I was pleasantly surprised with. And and the, I don't know. I just love the Phoebe character so much. And then there was a there was one part when, when after Phoebe realizes, oh, Egon Spangler was my grandfather, and we didn't even talk about uh, how Paul Rudd would show the kids on YouTube like, you guys don't know about yes. the girl stuff in the eighties that happened in Manhattan. Yeah, I love that. That's like a reality that he lives in. Sure. And of course, the kids wouldn't know about because it happened before they were born. And it lives alive on you. That's what exactly what happened. It's still on YouTube. You know, there's commercials and all this stuff. So that that was great. And this whole lore uh, of that people know about it. They heard about it. There's some people that don't think it was real. You know. Yeah. It was it's, just like a, the same thing today. An isolated thing that happened in New York City. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, and then the part when Phoebe's young and her mom, why didn't you tell me my grandfather's Egon Spangler? He was a scientist like me. And like, oh man, that kind of kicks you in the gut. Like, man, this poor kid, she feels so isolated and wondering why, but clearly she gets it from her grandfather and man, and you just, and, and back to that part when, with Ghost Egon, you're like, man, I wish that he could have gotten to know her and what, how would their lives have been? And you know, I was kind of always under the assumption that Janine was the mother, but she wasn't, it would seem, right? Or maybe she is. I don't know. You know th- that's something that was always kind of confusing the movies too. In the first movie, Janine and Egon looked like they were getting together. The cartoons put 
uh, Janine with Lewis and Ghostbusters 2 mm-hmm. put Janine with Lewis. So it was always a little convoluted. And she was in this movie. She said, you know, like she's like, I take care of the bills and make sure everything's paid. It's like, all right. I'm, I'm, I mean, who did Egon bang to get like a exactly. daughter? Was he married? All this exactly. stuff. Like, where are we at here? It was probably scientific. <laughs> I assume he's a donor. <laughs> no. He's a, sci- <laughs> he's a scientist, but he's clearly got needs too. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, the ghost, the ghost of Egon thing super touching but it, it was even touching before you saw him like when he first interacts with phoebe with like a desk lamp representing mm-hmm. him or when he was like playing chess with her all of those things were were super emotional too for one i don't know teenage child interacting with a lamp or a chessboard like this really well done mm. yeah i it was just just they nailed it. They nailed how fun it was, and they nailed the charm of the original movies, I think. Uh, the original movies clearly didn't have kids, but there was still a lot of charm and heart to those movies that still is today. So, Speaking of those original movies, when were you – you're clearly a Ghostbusters kid and fan and all that. Mm-hmm. What was your first experience with Ghostbusters? Was it the cartoon? Was it the movie? First or second one? The toys? How'd you start? So it was the ending of the first movie. So I'll go back a little bit. Um, Sure. A running joke in my family for probably until I was just out of high school or in college. My parents had not been to the movie theater since Ghostbusters was released. That was the last time they went to the movie theater. Um, So they just hadn't been to the movies in forever. And I always thought that was like, Oh my God, you guys are losers. You've never been to the movies. What's wrong with you? Um, my dad was an early adopter of HBO and taping things off HBO. I probably must have been, I don't know, four or five years old. I was playing at the neighbor's house across the street, coming back home, and my dad was recording Ghostbusters. And it was when Stay Puff emerged. And I remember him saying, Look, Nate, it's the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. And that was my introduction to Ghostbusters, seeing him in the final scene. And then when did you start watching the movie? Like, did you like, okay, I, we have the, we have the tape now, so I'm yeah, going to watch it? Yeah, I remember watching it. And, I mean, I was really young at the time. I remember asking my mom not too long ago, a few years ago, saying, how did I end up getting you to buy me Ghostbusters toys? She's like, you just came up to me one day and said, these exist and you wanted them for Christmas. And I'm like, yeah. I, I had no memory of that. I have no memory of how I knew how to find the cartoon on TV on Saturday mornings. I don't know how, but I did. So, yeah, the first introduction was the movie. Uh, watched it over and over again on that VHS taped off of HBO and watching the cartoons and watching the cartoons in syndication. And every time we went to the mall, I'd have five bucks and I'd buy a new Ghostbusters toy, whether it was my 300th version of Peter Venkman with a bigger and bigger and more ridiculous backpack. It didn't matter to me. Um, I was all in. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think my first with Ghostbusters was the cartoon that started because my friends had the toys and they kind of showed it to me. And then I started getting the toys 
And then very shortly after, we were at a family friend's house. And he had, I remember, I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Instead of a TV, he had a projector screen. So he had a pretty big, it was probably like a 60, 70 inch thing, which was huge. And he had a bootleg copy of Ghostbusters 2 that was still in the theaters. Oh, wow. So he's like, he was like, do you want to watch Ghostbusters 2? And I was like, yes. Like not knowing like that. So, and I also remember being very confused why there were two black lines or bars at the top because it was the widescreen version of the film. Like, why are these, these like, I, I kept telling him, oh, you're, I kept telling him it was broken. He's like, no, no, it's just how it is. Now, was it a he good, giving, was it a good bootleg yes. version or could you like see yes. people's heads in the theater? No, no. He must have gotten, like, he, I don't know how he got it, but he did. And he gave my dad like a VHS copy of it. And I watched that thing like crazy over and over again. So I think I've definitely seen Ghostbusters 2 more than Ghostbusters 1. And then, of course, since I've seen Ghostbusters 1 over and over again, I think one year for Christmas, this was pretty soon after I kind of abandoned Ghostbusters for Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. That's because how you do around it, that, right? Yeah. And like looking back, one of the main reasons my mom said that she was so okay with me going to Turtles, she goes, because you guys, me, your boys, me and my friends, she's like, you would throw those toys around. And the Ghostbusters, when they broke, they broke. She goes, the Turtles ones, you can snap their arms back in. Like, there was, like, little clips. Okay. She's like, so it was just better for us to, to buy those. Um, but around then is when I got a VHS copy for Christmas of Ghostbusters, the first one. And just, I, I think, I'm sure I had seen it before, like, renting it at the video store. Um, because I remember also watching Extreme Ghostbusters, then also the Ghostbusters cartoon with the monkey and being very confused oh, at what this God. was. The Tracy. filmation Ghostbusters. Yes, exactly. <laughs> being very confused, but it was Ghostbusters, so you didn't care. Um, but I remember that being on like syndication, definitely, because I would watch it at my grandma's house. It was on TV all the time on Saturdays. You know, a lot of people... But, go ahead, sorry. Go ahead. No, you're good. I was going to say a lot of people uh, dog Ghostbusters too, and it's not a perfect film, but... I'll stand up and say it's got some really funny lines in it that, that people really that what, are under. What is your? I'll tell you my favorite funny line after you. What is your? What are your favorite lines from Ghostbusters two? Oh my god! So my favorite line. It's I don't know. It's obscure. And most people might not find it funny, but I think it's hilarious. Um, I think Ray and Egon. I want to say they're like developing the Vigo pictures or something like that. Mm-hmm. And they're talking back and forth, and basically, uh, one of them says to the other something indicating that something bad's going to happen. And he asks the question. He's like, "Well, is this bad?" And his response is, "It's the atomic weight of cobalt, fifty-eight point nine." And he just nods <laughs> his head with a stoic look on his face, and then they <laughs> go to work. And I thought that was like so random. I'm like. Had to look it up. I'm like, oh, okay, the atomic weight of cobalt is 58.9, well, and I will remember that forever. Janish, the whole Janish character is incredible. And <laughs> my favorite line in the entire – it might be my favorite line in Ghostbusters, period, is when he's got to, he's got the Oscar the baby there because, you know, to be the son of Ego and to rule the earth and to take his body and all that stuff. And he's trying to explain – 
to Dana why it's a good thing. He goes, you know, there are many benefits to being married to a living God. He goes, free parking, nice apartment. <laughs> I was just like, the free parking line got me. It's the nice apartment because <laughs> they're in New York City, and it's just and that that got me. So Ghostbusters too, great stuff. One of the things too, I'm sure you noticed this looking back, which I almost kind of wish they did a little tribute to, and they kind of did. Uh, but in the first Ghostbusters, there's so much cigarette smoking, it's almost comical. Yes, like how many times they're smoking cigarettes? They're smoking them like. Like nothing. Like I can't even think. Like eating Lay's potato chips, like one after the other. Uh-huh. And I, I always kind of wish Trevor like tried smoking to impress Lucky or something like that. <laughs> something like would have been fun. Everybody but Egon. Egon didn't smoke. He did not. And then of course the the soundtrack in Ghostbusters Two is amazing. On our own, I yeah. had definitely had the single of that. Bobby Brown, Run DMC was on there. And Bobby Brown had a cameo in Ghostbusters Two. That's right. Proton pack's you not did. a toy. Exactly. The proton pack's not a toy. Did you have the Kenner Ghostbusters 2 style proton pack? Yeah, the slime blower, I still have it. It like oh, shoots, it shoots out a purple uh, pleasure toy. I never. <laughs> pleasure toy. <laughs> That's your new Twitter handle, at pleasure toy. At pleasure toy. <laughs> Pleasure toy. <laughs> That's got to be somebody. I just, I just post nothing but wrestling figure photos. That, that was the tamest way I could think to say it on the fly. That proton pack was the source of the biggest tantrum I'd ever thrown in my life. Oh. We were at Toys R Us. My, my, my mom was buying, I think, my sister a birthday present. And I was with her. And I didn't know this thing existed yet. And this was fresh off me getting a bootleg copy of Ghostbusters 2 which I had watched over and over and over again. So I saw it and I said, oh my God, can I get this? I was like, no, it's not your birthday. It's not Christmas. And in my head, I thought that meant I'm never going to get it ever unless I get it right now. <laughs> so I like threw the biggest like screaming tantrum ever that I didn't get it. I still never got it. And good on my mom for not giving into my bratty ass for throwing a tantrum for it. But I'll always, and I've since looked at it like on eBay and stuff, but I kind of want to hold it in my hand to make sure it's like legit before I purchase it. So maybe like a toy show, I'll eventually pick one up. But I was always jealous of the children that had that one, much like you. Very jealous. You know what? As someone that did have it, you weren't missing out on much. It was a a purple piece of plastic with a Ghostbusters 2 logo slapped on it. I definitely preferred the Proton Pack. I got a lot more play. You know, they don't make a lot of Ghostbusters 2 merch, I've found. Yeah. Unless it's bootleg. It's all the original logo. It's no number two. It's no Ghostbusters 2 logo. My my buddy I saw the second one, or with the second time, it was his third time seeing it, he's wearing a hoodie with the Ghostbusters 2 logo. And like I noticed his hoodie was a Reebok hoodie. I'm like, did you get that made? He goes, yep, definitely got it made. <laughs> and he uh-huh. was like, the guy at the store was like, yeah, I guess we can put this on. I don't care. So he definitely think, made some bootleg stuff. If there's one thing that is a stain on Ghostbusters, it's the Ghostbusters 2 logo, though. Like, I never got it. Like, why did they have that on everything in the store? Why not? They're a sequel to their own Be- business? Is that the idea? Well, well, it's the Ecto-2. It's, it's upgraded. It's part two. Okay. It's merchandising, man. Merchandising, merchandising, merchandising. Like it's Spaceballs. 
I do want to hear an explanation, even if it's just like somebody telling me it doesn't have to be in the movie. How did Ecto-1 get converted back to the original Ecto-1 in the movie? It was, maybe, it was a, maybe it was two different cars. Maybe they had more than one. Okay. That would make sense, right? They would add two different cars? I mean, if you split the calls up... You can cover no, more ground. We can do more damage. Do you way. remember in Ghostbusters 2 when Ray and Winston were at the birthday party, did they show up on the Ecto-1 or Ecto... Was it the Ecto-2 at that point? Or was it still Ecto-1? Well, first of all, look. not Ecto-2. Ecto-2 is a helicopter from the cartoon. Ecto-1A. Okay. Right. Uh, they show, they show up with the original one. They show up with the original one. It's all like dirty and backfiring and about to break down. Uh huh. Okay. Okay. Makes sense. That makes sense. Which another thing I loved in Ghostbusters too, when the kids like we want He Man, yes. and I was a very very like brief He Man fan as a kid, just because I was so little. I remember I used to play with like the tiger toy, like in the tub. It was like a bath toy for me. I remember so seeing a very that, late He-Man fan. I remember seeing that in a theater and being angry as a kid and being like, "Who the hell's still watching He-Man in '89?" <laughs> hey man, if they were shot in '88, those kids probably were. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're a uh, 4K adapter or not, but I've recently become one over the past year, and I'm a big fan of the format of the 4K physical format because if it's if the studio does it right. They do a great job restoring the the film basically back to as original as was possible. And with the Ghostbusters, the first one, and in the second one, it's almost a different viewing experience, how how it's shown, because it looks like there's still film grain on it. Um, it there's The color is natural, and there's more. It looks just like you would have saw it in the theater in 1984. So it's very, very cool because I, I have two TVs down in my basement. And I did a comparison of the Blu-ray and the, and the 4K disc. And the 4K did a great job of keeping that original feel, whereas I think the Blu-ray disc tried to do a lot of cleaning up and make it a little smoother and a little softer. So It's something only crazy people like me notice, but it was very cool to see. Enlighten me. I, I know nothing about the format. Is 4K, like you need a separate 4K player for yeah. it? Yes. Okay, so it's gotcha. so 4K is Ultra HD. You need a 4K player. And it's gotten cheaper. It's just much like Blu-ray. When Blu-ray first came, was crazy expensive. Pretty much all TVs right now that come out are 4K TVs. Um, but it's just a... It's it's a little bit of a niche market where, again, if the studio is done right, it's the highest quality. And the be- what's cool is the older movies are the ones that mm-hmm. look the best because the studios yeah. are taking their time with it and taking the original film negatives and mastering them back to much they can. Like my wife and I were watching the wizard of Oz. I picked that up. It did the comparison of the 4k and the Blu-ray next side by side. And in the 4k, you can see like the background, how the set was painted better. You could oh, wow. see like the lines of the painting, okay. whereas the, the Blu-ray is just designed to make it look as clean as possible. So it's very, very cool. If you're into it, let me know. I can show you some, some stuff later. Um, just to some like, kind of vloggers and some uh, websites I follow that review this. Cause some of them, they don't really like Disney's famous for really doing a crappy job with their 4k upgrades. Um, but studios like Warner brothers and Sony really take their time with it. It's a wonderful life did a 4k restoration and they did a whole documentary on how they did it and how originally they never wanted to restore. It's a wonderful life because the original negative is so delicate and so old 
They never wanted to damage it. But they have a new machine now that handles it so carefully they can do it and they can edit it and make it look as best as they could. So it's very, very cool to see. So if anyone's like on the fence about like a 4K upgrade, it's like 125 bucks now for a player. Do that, pop it into your 4K TV, and it's it's pretty sweet. I, I do recommend it. Nice. Um, another thing about the original Ghostbuster stuff that I want to talk with you about is your newest uh, acquirement of a certain god, living god, that's in a painting. What What's going on with this? What happened? How'd you get it? What's yeah. the deal with this life-size Vigo? It was a purchase. I am now the proud owner of Vigo the Carpathian, the, the scourge of Carpathia, the sorrow of Moldavia. Uh, exactly. He, he command me, Lord. He stands at about seven foot tall. Um, mm-hmm. I was a member of a Ghostbuster troupe in Philadelphia for a number of years. And one of my good buddies, who was also a part of it, had uh, knew a guy who had somehow access to some sort of a large-scale printing machine and mm-hmm. was experimenting with printing a life-size uh, Vigo on canvas. He purchased one from him probably 10 years ago. Um, he made a frame for it and had it in his house. And he's going to be moving within the next year, and he decided he didn't want to move it, so he offered it to me. And I was more than willing to buy it and make it a part of my collection. <laughs> Did you, the, the did you that, consult with your wife first or was it purchase and ask and tell her later? Oh, ask for forgiveness later. <laughs> <laughs> I did not consult. I, did, I didn't even let her know that I had it until I had it in my house. I had reassembled the frame and reattached the canvas to it and hung it on the wall. That's when I showed her a picture of it. And she hasn't even been down here to see it in person yet. She probably thinks it's like an 8 by 10 that's <laughs> well she is like flies to vigo so why what does he care i i have been considering adding a kitten but we'll see how have you not done a photo shoot with your son oh, as oscar dude in front of it yet you want to know why i haven't i don't yes. i don't want to tell you how many hours that i have spent trying to look for a fuzzy yellow onesie with Winnie the Pooh on the, on the corner, because that's what Oscar wore and I can't find it. You're going to have to, you're going to have to bootleg the effort. You're going to have to make, get a yellow wolf onesie and just, I'm even having a hard time finding a yellow onesie that I'm willing to, to pay for. I'm sure in 88, when that movie was shot, it was made out of like asbestos or something. So they don't have those (laughs) things anymore. It was one of those. I had the same pajamas as a kid. Only mine were red. I remember they were like. I had, I had Cookie feet. Monster ones that were blue. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They were fuzzy, and the feet were made of like pleather. I'm sure that was like the most flammable material ever. So they decided, <laughs> let's not put children in this. I'm sure that stuff's recalled. It has to be. <laughs> but I'm even having a hard time finding a yellow footy onesie. Well, if you well, by the time I find, if you and your wife have another child. I will make up a mission to be on the lookout for one and pick it up because we're done over here. So if you guys end up having another one, I will, I'll try to pop that. Although my sister's having a baby. So maybe I could figure something out that with her and he's, she's having a boy. I think I still have another three months of him still being Oscar age. So I haven't given up. Okay. Completely. 
Okay, well, that's good to know. I will definitely keep an eye out, whether it be a Goodwill or wherever, for said item. I'm guessing he's what, in like 18 to 24 month stuff now? He's in, would imagine. Yeah, 18. Okay, okay. Well, a little big's okay. So 2T, 24 months, we'll be okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when is your son going to see Ghostbusters for the first time? What do you, Have you decided that? What's your first idea for when he's old enough to see it? What do you think? Oh gosh, I haven't really thought about it. I think um, I'd probably start with the cartoons with them because I think but it, those are more scary than the movie. I think you think I don't know. I think the first the first movie scared the crap out of me. Well, I rewatched Ghostbusters with my daughter, my first daughter, when she was like three. She was totally fine with it. Okay. The cartoons, she was a little like freaked out. Um, I will say she was more scared of answer the call because the first scene answer the call the first ghost kind of goes Rah! as long as you skip i think the library scene in the first movie sure there's not a lot of terrifying stuff in it if you think about it it's you're real right. fun you're right that is the so only scary okay. part um i don't mm-hmm. know i'm thinking like maybe five that's fair that's yeah. fair for sure well i'm sure although maybe your son will go a phase through my day so my daughter was with into wrestling with me for a while and then she's just like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't want to watch it anymore. She does her own thing. She watches, like, she just watched over the summer. She finished all of the original Full House, which, by the way, especially the later seasons, still really hold up. They're still oh, pretty right. funny. Um, and then after she finished Full House, I forgotten that they did a Fuller House. And, like, uh-huh. recently I was like, hey, Penny, you want me, want me to blow your mind? She's like, what? <laughs> I'm like, there's new Full House. She's like, what? <laughs> of course, her first question was, where's Michelle? I said, well, the kid that played Michelle is super rich, doesn't need to be on this danky-ass Netflix show like <laughs> Dave Coulier and Bob Saget do and Candace Cameron. So <laughs> they've got their own money. <laughs> Which, by the way, I show you I met Dave Coulier before, right? I've heard that? you say you that on one of your shows. I, you saw him so at like a work party met, or something, right? Yes. So Dave Dave Coulier was promoting something at my at my job. Cut and it out. Well, let me tell you, I'm sure there was a lot of people there asking him to pose for those pictures. Not me. <laughs> I brought my Ghostbusters, Peter Bakeman, oh, real Ghostbusters yes. toy. He had him sign it. Had him sign it, and he was like, "Oh, you brought the ghost!" And like he was like, "Oh, you got the Ghostbusters toy, sweet!" And he's like, "Where are you?" And like looking back, I didn't have him sign it on the bubble because this is pre like paint pen figuring out, but it does look good on the card. Dave Coulier signed it on there, and I was one of the kids that didn't really notice when the voice changed over. I know a lot of kids that was like a big deal, but I never really noticed as a kid when Dave took over the Bankman thing. I didn't notice either. I do remember noticing as a kid that the original voice was uh gosh garfield Garfield. i did make that and now as an adult i prefer the dave clee because now i just hear garfield and how about the uh the weird working of the universe that when they came out with that live action garfield that that was voiced by bill murray yes that was just just crazy (laughs) it's not Um, just star what was the uh and then when it, it turned to like extreme Ghostbusters, and that's kind of like when Slimer took over almost as like the main character. It was kind of a weird transition with the Ghostbusters well, universe and the cartoons. Yeah, the cartoon transition to Slimer and the real Ghostbusters, where they had it was kind of like two shorts, and it would be like a Slimer and this mad scientist 
it really had nothing to do with Ghostbusters anymore. Extreme Ghostbusters came out a few years later. There was the gap. Mm-hmm. Who was your favorite real Ghostbuster character? So uh, my favorite Ghostbuster has changed through the years. As a kid, I always gravitated to the smart guy. So I was an Egon fan as a kid. As an adult, I was a I was a race dance guy. I like the heart. Mm-hmm. But as a kid, I was I all was... in Egon. Egon Donatello. So what's what's funny as a kid, I always thought Ray was Bill Murray's character. Ray the cut real Ghostbuster was the Bill Murray character in the movie. That's and I figured out later, oh, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, because Ray was kind of like a smart-ass, funny guy. But like it was weird. I don't know. I liked Ray the best as the cartoon character. It's understandable that, that the Peter in the cartoon looked nothing like... <laughs> Like, no, uh, like Bill Murray. I guess Egon looked right. nothing like him either. <laughs> I always thought it was cool that Egon had a blue suit, though, in the cartoon. Mm-hmm. That was like unique to me. I thought that was cool. Yeah, blue suit. And I, I think growing up, Winston's probably my favorite. Like as an adult, like now, I think Winston. He's just, he's just in it for the money. I'm here for a job, uh-huh. and it just he he was just funny. I liked Winston. If there's a steady paycheck in it. I don't believe anything you say. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which now you got to go back and watch the second scene. Also, so really funny, really quick here. Uh, the second time I saw the movie, my my buddy and I went like on like a dude date. And after the movie ended, like these two guys also clearly on like a dude date turned around and like looked at us. They were like, did you like it? Yeah, thumbs up, thumbs up. And we're like, yeah. And they're about to leave. And I go, hey, there's another scene. They go, Really? And like, then like we saw, like, thank you for telling us we were going to leave. So always look up. Is there a post credit scene in whatever movie you're watching now? Yeah. Cause it's I, a thing. Yeah. I was waiting and I thought I saw the, I thought it was one and done, but they got me too. Yeah. Really quick. The one and done scene of, of Peter and Dana doing the throat call back to the first Ghostbusters with the shock therapy that Vegba was doing. I love that they're still together. In the Ghostbusters, but they're still married. I love it. That's great. Yeah. Second movie, if they make it, we need Oscar. We need Oscar back. Maybe he's going to be a Ghostbuster. That's a good point. Maybe he is. All right. We're going to wrap up here. Give me a couple things. Give me your favorite Ghostbusters toy. Oh, it's got to be the Firehouse. Right? Really? Okay. Oh, I love the Firehouse. Dude, I remember pacing up and down the, the the aisle of Ames looking at it. And at that age, this thing like looked at me eye level because it was so big. I yeah. wanted it so bad. I got it for Christmas. And as soon as Ooh. I opened it up, my parents were like, yeah, we're going to have to wait for your uncle to come over in two days to put it together for you because we don't know how to do it. And I was like, the hell we are. We're putting this together <laughs> right now. I've been waiting for like two months, which in kid years might have been like five years, you know? Yeah. And I still Did you it open it up and put day. it together? You put no, that they, shit together? They gave in, they put it together for me. Did you have any brothers and sisters growing up or are you an only child? Um, I'm a pseudo only child. I have a brother okay. who's eight, eight years older than me. Okay. So there weren't like there wasn't like another like young kid with you like begging your parents. They're like, all right. 
let's shut Nathan up and put this stupid thing together. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. They, they could have been clowning with me the whole time that they were going to put it together. They may have just been harassing me. Who knows? My uh, friend got the Ghostbusters Lego firehouse years back. Uh-huh. And it was so funny. Like he texted me. He's like, I'm going to the Lego store like at like 7 a.m. to get this thing. He's like, I'm going to line up. And like, he texted me in line. He's like, in line. It was like him and like 10 other guys. And like, no one knew how many of the store was going to get in. And then he te- I'm like, did you get it? Did you get it? And he texted me like 10 minutes later, like him, like, oh, like <laughs> with the box over his head in triumph, like, yes. like, a, like an Olympian. It's yeah, like, you bet your ass I got it. It was like, no built that, like I, th- I think yeah, it was huge. Out, it was one of the biggest Lego sets ever made. I think it cost yeah. like 400 bucks. Yes, it was not cheap for sure. He, he and like I was asking him, like he's like, yeah, I'm spending that much money on it. It's like I need this. I have to have it. So he's a big Lego guy too. So of course he was going to get it. So are you familiar think, with the uh, the Play Mobile Ghostbuster stuff? I am not a fan. I'm not not a fan of any of that Play Mobile stuff because I think it's like generic Legos as far as I'm concerned. So so it's I'm, just generic Legos, you know. I'm, I'm not going to buy you. Sam's Choice Cola. I'm going to get a Coke. As far as the figures go, the figures are trash, but that is the best toy Ecto-1 and Ecto-1A that has ever been released. Even more than the original one? Yes, because it fits everybody inside of it. It has so much more detail. It has lights. It has sound. It's really well done. And I've been tempted to pick up the new Ecto-1 that's been out at the stores. I've been very tempted. And the price? I'm not grabbing I mean, you can get that Play Mobile Ecto One for like, I think it's like forty bucks. All right. Well, we'll see. It's Christmas. I have two kids. All their stuff has been purchased, so maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe if I get some Christmas money, maybe if I get some Christmas gifts, I'll get it. But probably not. They have a great firehouse. <laughs> I'm out of room down here, man. Until my kids leave, I'm out of room. <laughs> I. I'm out of room. I like every day I'm kind of like looking at what I'm going to readjust to figure because one thing I never want to have is a bunch of stuff in bins um, for like loose stuff and stuff. That's fine. Like I have like containers of loose figures and all that, but for display purpose stuff, I need to have it out. Or it's yeah. going to drive me nuts. It'll make me feel bad. Yeah, you need to enjoy uh, it. Yeah. And, uh, it, like there's been so much stuff I've been at the store and like maybe I should grab this, but I passed on. I'm like I've got nowhere to put this right now. I've got to I've got to be patient. Mm-hmm. And now, with all the releases that WWE had, like I'm sure WrestleCon this year is going to be stacked. And I'm like at the store. I'm like, should I grab this Braun Strowman because he's probably going to be at WrestleCon this year? I'm like, mm-hmm. eh, do I need a Braun Strowman autograph and and all that? But like if Rick Martell or something's going to be there, I'm like, well, now I got to get a Hasbro or something, or maybe you're, and maybe I'm going to have you make me an arrogance bottle to have him sign or something <laughs> like that. You know, uh, I, we'll see. We'll see. I think my favorite Ghostbusters toy is the original Ecto one, not the Playmobil, but that mm-hmm. one. I just played that thing so much. The proton packs a close second, but, I remember getting yelled at a lot for the proton pack because I eventually broke it from the trigger because it made like the the noise. Same, same thing. My trigger broke too. I still have my proton yeah. pack with a broken trigger. Yeah. Yep. And eventually broke. We got to got to give props to the trap too. The fact that it worked. The- yeah. Yeah, but I feel like the trap was fragile in the sense that I'll, I'll, I feel like there's a lot of traps out there with one missing like strap, one missing trap door. 
Oh, okay. Yeah, sure. I feel they're out there. But either way, Ghostbusters Afterlife was an amazing nostalgic trip. And I'm glad I got to see it. I'm glad it came out. Glad I got to see it in the theater. I'm glad you did too, man. It was it was awesome. Yeah, they did it right. 100%. Well, Nate, thanks for coming on. As always, you can follow Nate on Twitter at Ringskirts. You can follow us on Twitter at PPW Podcast. The main show will be out again sometime probably early next week. Eric and I got another show planned for everyone. Some fun, nostalgic wrestling talk. And you can find all of our past shows for free in your favorite podcast app. Just search Positively Pro Wrestling Podcast. Nate, thanks so much for coming on. Anything else you want to plug or talk about before we wrap up? No. Happy holidays to everybody. Thanks for having me on, Steve. Yes. Keep on busting, right? For sure. Thanks, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week.